I'm so thankful that we're getting to do a series on the life of David. It's something I've always wanted to do. Uh, and because David is such a complex character, he's mentioned more than really anybody in the Bible besides Jesus. Uh, and so we see in, in David, we see, we see a picture of us. We see the good, we see the bad, we see so much up and down, and we see this roller coaster ride of life. And uh, this series, we've been looking at the different kind of aspects of his life. He was a shepherd, but he was a warrior. He's uh, a friend. He was a king. He was a fugitive at times. He uh, was a sinner. He was a father. And he's this complex person, um, and we get to, to learn from it. Today, um, we're looking at how he was a friend, and we're looking at the story of David and Jonathan. Now, I would say in our world today, what we're seeing, and it's been called by sociologists and psychologists, and uh, it, we look at the world today, we see an epidemic of loneliness. Um, it's what it's being called, and I think it's been accelerated by the pandemic. And so when you look at the world around us, what we're seeing is... Uh, people, even though we're connected, uh, we're connected through technology, we're disconnected relationally. Um, one new report says 36% of all Americans, including 61% of young adults and 51% of mothers with young children, feel serious loneliness. Not surprisingly, it said loneliness appears to have increased substantially since the outbreak of the pandemic. Uh, you look around, we have internet friends and followers. Um, and and you, you know what I'm talking about there, but we have more followers than people who actually know you. Um, and, and so you have people who you know on a surface level, you know about them, you know facts about them, you maybe know a little of their story, but you don't really know them. And, and I think that's really across generations, we see that right now. We have casual connections and we have acquaintances but many people in our world today lack true friends. Um, it's interesting, too, as you look at studies, they show that our young adults, those aged 13, 18 to 34, are more lonely than even our senior citizens today. And so technology, it has some benefits in society, but it has some drawbacks, too. And I think we're seeing the effects of that. And and, and, and it scares me a little bit because with all of our connections, with all of the, the resources at our disposal, we see people more and more isolated, more and more lonely. And that's not the way we, we were created by God to live. Patrick Morley, who's a Christian author, he's written a lot of men's, book, men's books. He said this, he said, most men could rec recruit six uh, pallbearers, but almost nobody has a friend that he could call at 2 a.m. Think about that. I mean, most guys, and I think this is very much true for guys, you have six guys that would show up at your funeral and carry your casket, but you don't have someone you could call at 2 a.m. You could pick up the phone, and they wouldn't send you to voicemail. They would actually take the call and say, whatever it is, I'm there. I'm, I'll be there. That's what we need in life. We need those true friends that will drop anything to help us and to walk with us through life. Um, there's a Harvard study that was just done, and they kind of wrapped it up and said that, that good relationships keep us happier and healthy, healthier. 
I mean, that, that, that was kind of their, their summary statement. If you have true good friendships, you're going to be happier, you're going to be healthier. And they said this, they said, we need to return to an idea that was central to our founding and is at the heart of many great religious traditions. We have commitments to ourselves, but we also have vital commitments to each other, including to those who are vulnerable. When I hear that, it, makes, it just sends me back to the Bible because that's what God has been telling us all along. We need to care for, for one another. We need to serve one another. We need to encourage one another. We need to exhort one another. We see all of these commands through Scripture that we're called to live in community. We're called to build each other up. And I feel like we've gotten away from that as a society. And I'm telling you, for me to preach a message on this, it's tough because as someone that's a little more uh, kind of guarded and introverted, uh, this is this is tough to talk about. Hey, we've got to really uh, to, to we've got to really do a better job at building good, true friendships. And so, what we're going to do today, we're going to look at the story of David and Jonathan, um, a, an incredible story of friendship. But let me give you a little backstory first. Uh, and this, if you've missed the last couple of weeks, you can kind of catch up online and and watch them and 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 see what we're talking about here. But the Lord, the Lord had rejected Saul as king. We know he was disobedient. He took things into his own hands. The Lord said, your, your, your kingship is going to be taken from you. We see Samuel anoint David as the next king. But what we also see is that Saul is not ready to relinquish his throne. And so we enter this period of waiting now. Um, in this time, we see David kill Goliath. We see David rise to prominence as a military commander. We see God's favor and blessing upon him. And things are going David's way. And at the same time, everything starts to crumble around Saul. And that's kind of where we find ourselves now in the story. And in the middle of all this, David forges an unlikely friendship with Saul's son, Jonathan. And I don't know about you, but uh, for me, I'd always read this story and I never really thought about it or added the dates together. I always assumed that David and Jonathan were about the same age. Had y'all thought that too? Um, that was um, always kind of my assumption. But when you get into this, you realize there's an age difference here. I actually, uh, in one of the commentaries, it said this. It says, it's easy to think of David and Jonathan of similar ages, but they weren't. David was 30 when he became king, according to 2 Samuel chapter 5. Saul reigned for 40 years. So David must have been born in the 10th year of Saul's reign. Um, and you kind of add this up. Um, what's interesting, Jonathan was already fighting with Saul during the third year of his father's reign. And you had to be 20 years old to fight then. Um, and so you add that up and you do the math. And it means Jonathan was around 27 years old when David was born, which is interesting. So you have this friendship that's forged here from someone that's old enough to be David's father, but yet they have this incredible friendship. And what's also interesting is that Jonathan is King Saul's son. Who takes over the throne when the king is dead? The king's son. Jonathan is next in line for the throne. He's He's got everything to gain from being the king's son. He should be fearful of David as well. If David is this new guy that's going to become king. But what we see in this story is a story of true friendship. I've got uh, this morning, I'm just going to kind of look at the story. We'll be in 1 Samuel 18, 19, 20-ish. 
um, and, and kind of pulling some verses out. A lot of scripture today because I want you to hear this story. Uh, and I love when the Bible is a story. We can kind of see the storyline here and, and follow it and follow their friendship. But I, I want to share several ways that we can, be, we can learn about true friends here. The, the first thing I want to share, and I encourage you if you're taking notes or following along online to, to, to write these down. The first thing is a true friend uh, is committed. A true friend is committed. Uh, they're, they're committed to one another. And we see that in this story. And I'll pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. It said, After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And, da- and Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Such poetic language here. It's an incredible story. And, and what we are about to see is this roller coaster. Saul goes through this period of he loves David and wants David around him, and then he tries to kill David. He tries to run him off. There's this jealousy that starts forming here. And so we see this kind of swell up and down. And at this point, David is in the good graces of Saul. And he meets Jonathan, and immediately there's a friendship here. I would say in our world today, again, with social media, we're, we would rather impress people than have a genuine friend. What do I mean by that? I, in today's world, uh, and I think, again, we've talked about this on social media, it's so easy to create an image of who you want to be and not, people, not let people see the real you. That's kind of what happens on social media. We, we create this image of, hey, look at my pictures, look at my highlight reel, look at all this stuff, and we're afraid to let people see the real us because we're, well, let's be honest, it's insecurity. We're afraid they won't like us. Uh, We're afraid that they'll see our flaws. We're afraid that they'll see the real us. But a real friend is committed to you no matter what they see, right? I mean, they're they're like committed to you. That's, That's what a real friend is. They see the rough edges, they see the ugly things about us, and yet they still choose to be our friends. That's a, that's a commitment that we don't see often in our society today. True friends believe in us, they see the good in us, they focus on the good, and they bring out something even better. And that's what we see with David and Jonathan. And through this story, we're going to see a commitment that no matter what happens, that they're going to still be friends. That they're there for each other. And it really is an unlikely story. Uh, Paul David Tripp says this. He says, we live in an interwoven network of terminally casual relationships. We live with the delusion that we know one another, but we really don't. We call our easygoing, self-protective, and often theologically shallow conversations, we call them fellowship, but they seldom really ever reach the threshold of true fellowship. We know cold demographic details about each other, whether you're married or single, the type of job, the number of kids, the location of your house. But we know little about the struggle of faith that is waged every day behind well-maintained personal boundaries. One of the things that he says here that shocks me in counseling, even after all these years, is how little I often know about people I counted as true friends. I can't tell you how many times in talking with friends who have come to me for help, that I've been hit with details of difficulty and struggle far beyond anything that I would have predicted. 
Privatism is not just practiced by the lonely unbeliever. It's rampant in the church. And so what he's saying there is we think we know people, but all we know are just surface level details. We know demographic details, just, just basic facts about them, but we don't really know each other. And that's why when you hear things, you see things, you're shocked because you're like, how could that person do this? You didn't really ever know them. And for, for most people, we're hiding behind that mask. We're hiding behind this image that we want everybody else to think we're really better than we are. What we need is friends that are committed to each other, to, to peer through the, the mask. And that kind of leads me to my next point. A true friend is one who's going to make sacrifices for you. We see this in the story as we keep going. A true friend makes sacrifices. Verse 4, Jonathan sealed this pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David along with his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. Have you ever heard the phrase that, you know, you'll give the shirt off your back? That's kind of what happens here. But there's some significance here that you may miss. Uh, throughout 1 Samuel, uh, starting with Samuel, we see this imagery of a robe woven throughout the story. And it's, it, it's the imagery of a, being, of, of a kingship. Uh, we see it with Saul's robe. We see it with Samuel's robe. And, and we see it with David as well. But Jonathan takes his robe and gives it uh, to David. Now, the significance of that is he, in essence, is saying, I am in line for the king, I'm giving up my right, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm acknowledging that you are going to be the rightful king. And so there's, there's a significance there. It's not just, hey, here's my shirt, here's my robe. No, this is his kingly robe. He's giving it to him and saying, okay, I'm next in line, but now I'm, acknowledge, I'm giving that up. I'm sacrificing that for, for, your, for your sake. I'm, I'm handing this over to you. Not only that, he takes, you know, it says here uh, his uh, tunic, and that's translated armor. It's like it, it's, he's given his armor. He's given his sword to David as well, a sword and his bow. At this time in Israel's history, the Philistines had all the swords. The Israelites really didn't have swords. They were at a distinct disadvantage. And so to give up your sword, this was huge. This was an incredible sacrifice. He's given up his belt, what held everything together. In essence, he's given all of this to David, who is younger than him, and saying, I'm going to start lining up with you. I'm your friend, but I'm putting my trust in you now instead of all my stuff. Instead of my inheritance. Instead of my weapons. I'm going to start putting my trust in you. And so this is huge. It's a, a true friend is, is sacrifices for you. Um, that, that all this is, comes together, and what we see is that friendship does require sacrifice. A, a friendship cannot survive for long if a person is self-centered. If, there, if you're unable to put aside your own preferences, your own, um, your own needs even at times, uh, to, to serve each other, then you're not going to have a very deep friendship. A true friend, there's going to be times that it, 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 it's an inconvenience. There's going to be times it requires a sacrifice. There's going to be time when you're like, oh, I, I just wanted to, to do nothing today, and now i got to go and talk or go help them do something. That's what friendship is. And we see this throughout Scripture. 
when the believers come together, we see how interdependent they are upon each other uh, to, to get through life. And I, again, I feel like in our Western culture, we feel like we don't need anyone. And there's a danger there. And we see here with Jonathan and David that there is this idea of, hey, I'm going to sacrifice for, for you. Uh, Pastor Tim Chester says this. He says, Jonathan is not just teaching us how to be a good friend. He's teaching us how to be a real follower. Like Jonathan, we are to give up our pretended rights to reign. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me in the gospel will save it. And so David is a pointer to Jesus, our rightful king. So the question is, am I like Saul or am I like Jonathan? Saul is determined to cling to power. But he gradually becomes a parody of himself. Power is slipping from his hands. He's unable to see his orders ex executed. Are you determined to cling to power like that? Are you determined to be in charge of your life? In contrast, Jonathan acknowledges the power of David. He gives away any claim to authority over his future. He is content to be loyal to David. He entrusts his future to David. And the question is, are you content to let Jesus be the Lord of your life? Or are you, and are you bringing every area of your life into submission to him? And so here what we see, and when it comes to sacrifice, we see two models. We see Saul, who is king, is saying, I'm going to do everything I can to be king. I'm going to lift myself up. I'm going to squash anybody that tries to rise against me. It's all about me. And here you see Jonathan, who says, you know what? It's not about me. I see God blessing David. I'm going to acknowledge that. I'm going to honor that. I'm going to lift David up, and I'm going to become his friend. And, I, and from the, the text here, I don't think this is self-preservation on Jonathan's part. I don't think that this is him saying, oh, David's the next guy in charge. I'm going to line up behind him so I, can, so I can stay alive. No, I think this is Jonathan looking and acknowledging uh, who David is and what God's doing and saying, he's my friend and I'm going to do anything I can for him. I saw um, on Twitter this week a pastor uh, quote, he, he, he shared something, and he shared how to become great. And it caught my eye because he, he listed out a list of ways to become great in life. And, and I, I think this, is, this, would, this would be good for, a, for graduation talk, too. But he said how to become great. He said, read the Bible every day. Pick one church and stay there. He said, apologize when wrong. Forgive when wronged. Have friendships that cost you. There's the sacrifice part of it. Talk less. Listen more. Don't steal time at work. And be the same at home as in public. I thought that was a pretty good list. I thought that was a pretty good list to be successful in life. And, and we see this idea of this friendships that cost you. Talk less. Listen more. Don't steal time at work. Uh, be the same person. We see there's a level of sacrifice here that it requires that we do. That we, we step back and, and say life is not all about me. And I think that's the root of friendship is to acknowledge it's not all about you. But let's keep going. Here's another fact about a true friend. A true friend helps you see the truth. A true friend helps you see the truth. And so as we keep going in this story, what we see... 
and, and I'll have to kind of explain a little bit more of the story to get us to, to, to where you can understand this point. But we see Jonathan was not afraid of telling the truth, whether it was to his dad, whether it was to, to, to David. And so let's kind of build the story so you can see what happened here. And we see the, the cause of this jealousy that Saul has for David. Verse 5, it says, Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men, men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, went, or had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and they danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals, and this was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this? He said, they credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. You want a guy, you want to mess with a guy, you start comparing him to someone else. And that's what happened here. The women are all coming out and David's becoming more and more popular. He's like a celebrity now. He's like a celebrity. They know he's killed Goliath. Now he's winning all these battles. And, and what Saul is experiencing, he's experiencing the people shift their loyalty from him to David. And inside of him, this jealousy just keeps springing up. And as we, <coughs> as we see the story, this jealousy just takes control of his life. <coughs> Excuse me. Um. And so we see this story building. We see David just keeps doing whatever he's asked to do. And we see Saul just getting more and more jealous. And so we see, we see the tension building. We see what's about to happen. And this is going to put Jonathan in a strange place. He's got to choose, am I going to follow my father, the king, or am I going to follow David? That's the choice that, that Jonathan's going to make. And I'm going to skip ahead a little bit in the story. Uh, we'll see... Uh, I encourage you to go back and read this whole section. There's so much here that I'm skipping over, uh, but there's so much here. But I want to focus just on David and Jonathan. Um, and in, ver in chapter 19, verse 1, it says this, Saul now urged his servants and his son Jonathan to assassinate David. So this jealousy has grown to a point that Saul is on you know, one of his manic phrases, phases here. He's like, I want to kill David. But Jonathan, because of his strong affection for David, told him what his father was planning. And he warned David, you must find a hiding place out in the field. I'll ask my father to go out there with, with me and I'll talk to him about you. Then I'll tell you everything I can find out. The next morning, Jonathan spoke with his father about David, saying many good things about him. The king must not sin against his servant David, Jonathan said. He's never done anything to harm you. He's always helped you in any way he could. Have you forgotten about the time he risked his life to kill the Philistine giant and how the Lord brought a great victory to all of Israel as a result? You were certainly happy about it then. Why should you murder an innocent man like David? There's no reason for it at all. So Saul listened to Jonathan and vowed, as surely as the Lord lives, David will not be killed. Afterward, Jonathan called David, told him what happened. Then he brought David to Saul, and Saul served in the court as before. So there's something interesting here, and that is uh, when Jonathan heard about the king's plans, he just went straight to his father. Now, he could be put to death for this, but he was not afraid to speak the truth to his father. And he just said, this is crazy. Don't you remember what David has already done? He's not done anything to deserve this. You're wrong. 
In essence, he's standing up. He's speaking the truth when the truth is not popular. And what's interesting is Saul acknowledges it. It's like, you're right. I'm wrong. And he, he listens and he brings David back uh, to his court as before. And so the, the thing that I notice here is that Jonathan was not afraid to speak the truth to his dad, but he also was not afraid to treat, speak the truth to David. And what we see here is, is, is Jonathan just being straight up with everybody. Like, no, you're wrong. No, David, this is what's going on. And what I notice about this is Jonathan is not trying to create drama. And this is the trap we fall into today, I'm afraid. And we, to keep one person happy, we'll share just part of the story, and we'll share part of the story over here, and we try to keep everybody happy, and we leave out bits of truth here and there, and we're like, we're not really lying, but we're not really telling the whole truth either. And I, we live in a drama-filled place. Amen? I'm just telling, I mean, this area... If we're known for bluegrass music, I think drama, we're known for drama more than that. It's just that's part of the culture here. If people like stirring things up and just stepping back and watching, like, watch this. You know, I mean, I think that's, that's the culture we live in. And so what Jonathan did, he was just honest. He was honest with that. He's honest with David. That's a model for us today that I think we need to take to heart. Instead of stirring up drama, we need to just tell the truth. Even when it's not easy, even when it's not popular. A true friend is going to do that. And so um, the story keeps going. Saul gets more and more jealous. David finally flees. He has to, you know, this is just a roller coaster. I mean, David, he goes from being in good graces with the king to, you know, Saul's trying to kill him. And finally, David's had enough. He goes to see Samuel. Uh, in chapter 20, we pick back up the story. David finds Jonathan. So David's hiding, but he finds Jonathan. And he just says, what have I done? He exclaimed, what is my crime? How have I offended your father that he is so determined to kill me? That's not true, Jonathan protested. You're not going to die. He always tells me everything he's going to do, even the little things. I know my father wouldn't hide something like this from me. It's not just so. It just isn't so. David took an oath before Jonathan and said, Your father perfectly, he knows perfectly well about our friendship. So he said to himself, I'm not going to tell Jonathan. Why should I hurt him? But I swear to you that I'm only a step away from death. I swear it by the Lord and by your own soul. And so now we see the tables turned a little bit. And David is the one that has to be truthful with Jonathan. Jonathan's like, oh, my dad wouldn't do that. And he's like, no, I'm telling you, this is what is happening. He's trying to kill me. And I love how Jonathan responds here. Tell me what I can do to help you. When Jonathan was confronted with something that he didn't want to believe, now our response when we're confronted with something we don't want to believe is to get defensive. Right? I, no, that's not what I meant. That's not what I did. You don't, no, you don't understand. We start making excuses. We get defensive. When Jonathan heard this, he just said, okay, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? I love that. It's like, okay, he's accepted. David's telling the truth. He told him something that he really didn't want to hear. But now he's, uh, he's like, okay, that's what's going on. Now what are we going to do about it? That's true, friend. This is that sacrifice. This is that commitment. This is the truth-telling part of the friendship. And instead of responding 
you know, angrily, instead of getting defensive, he's just responding and saying, okay, what, tell me what I can do to help. And that leads us to my next point. A true friend is going to help you through tough times. A true friend is going to help you through tough times. And so 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 11, we see this story continue. And, and they've kind of set up a, a, a way here. Jonathan set up a way where he's going to tell David if his, he truly is, uh, his dad's trying to kill him. Um, and, you know, the, the, we'll see what he said. Verse 11, come out to the field with me, Jonathan replied, and they went out there together. Jonathan told David, I promise by the Lord, the God of Israel, by this time, tomorrow, the next day at the latest, I'm going to talk to my father and let you know at once how he feels about you. If he speaks favorably about you, I'm going to let you know. But if he's angry and wants you killed, may the Lord strike me and even kill me if I don't warn you so that you can escape and live. May the Lord be with you as he used to be with my father. And may you treat me with the faithful love of the Lord as long as I live. But if I die, treat my family with this faithful love even when the Lord destroys all your enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a solemn pact with David, saying, May the Lord destroy all your enemies. And, David made, and Jonathan made David reaffirm his vow of friendship again, for Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. They know things are about to get crazy. Things are about to get tough. And so at this point, he's just, they're just reaffirming their friendship. They're saying, we're going to be there for each other no matter what happens. This is friendship. This is what friendship really is. There's there, this, this commitment to each other. I don't care what we go through. We're going to stick together. Gonna, I don't care what King Saul does. I don't care what happens. Uh, this We're going to stick together. And so as we read this, they, we just see this, this love between them, this friendship grow. Verse 41, as soon as the boy was gone... David came out from where he'd been hiding near the stone pile. Then David bowed three times to Jonathan with his face to the ground. Both of them were in tears as they embraced each other. They said goodbye, especially David. At last, Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. The Lord is the witness of a bond between us and our children forever. And then David left, and Jonathan returned to the town. Now, I said things are going to get worse uh, we, if you keep reading the story, what you see happen is, is eventually Saul is killed. Jonathan is killed in battle. Uh, but we see this promise uh, that he makes to, take, to look out for Jonathan's family. We see David honor this uh, later by honoring uh, Jonathan's children. And, and so I, I just share all this because we see this. A friend helps you through tough times. They... When the going got tough, they could have just said, you know, it, it isn't worth it. This is too much trouble. That's what we do now. It's like when friendship gets tough, when we go through a tough time, so often what happens is people turn their backs on each other. They're like, I, I don't mind being your friend when things are good, but when things get bad, you're on your own. It's too much trouble. It's too much sacrifice. And what we see here is that a real friend is one who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. That's what a real friend is. When everybody else is walking out, you're walking in. You're waiting in to a mess. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. A brother is born for adversity. 
This is what a, a real friend is. And that kind of leads me to my final point today. A true friend will bring you closer to God. A true friend will bring you closer to God. 1 Samuel 23, um, you know, this is, this is uh, we see the story, uh, David's hiding at this point. We'll talk a little more uh, about that next week. Um, in verse 16, Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith to God. Don't be afraid, Jonathan reassured him. My father will never find you. You are going to be the next king of Israel, and I will be next to you as my father Saul is well aware. I love this. When things get bad, Jonathan finds David once again and says, Hey, don't let this affect your faith. Don't let this affect what you think about God. God is going to honor you. God is going to bless you. And I want you to know I'm going to be right here beside you. I'm going to do everything I can to support you. That's friendship right there. That's friendship. When someone comes to you and says, don't let this discourage you. Don't let this tear down your faith. And, and so often when people go through tough times, what you do, you see their friends walk away from them. But we see them turn their back on their friends. We see them turn their back on God. We see people turn their back on even the church. And again, I don't know if it's this part of our culture where we think, uh, hey, we're strong, we're independent, we don't need anyone to help us. I don't know if it's that. I don't know what the cause of it is. But what we see, a true friend's going to keep pointing you back to God. When things get rough, they're going to point you back to God and say, have you spent time with God? Are you, are you, are you listening to Him? What are you reading in Scripture? They're going to just keep pointing you back to God and help your relationship grow closer to Him. If a friend tries to pull you away from God, that's when we need to be worried. If a friend says, oh, you don't need to go to church. You don't need to, be around. You don't need to read your Bible. You don't need to, you just need to, whatever. If, if they're pulling you away from God, then that's a, that's a huge red flag. And so what to, I've done today, I've given you five things here about true friends. And what we see is David is the one that's pointing us forward to Jesus. Jesus is going to be the one that comes, that sticks closer than a brother, who loves us even in the midst of our sin. He's going to be the one who, who does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. In John 15, it says, My command is this, to love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus is really explaining friendship to us right here. Uh, he, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and to bear fruit, fruit that will last, and my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command to love each other. I want to leave you with that today. Jesus has given us this, this definition of friendship, to, to go and to love each other, to go and to bear fruit. And when we become true friends to other people, when we encourage them, when we sacrifice, when we hang with them through tough times, we're going to start bearing fruit in our life. That's what's going to happen. We're going to be fruit bearers. We're going to be people who make a difference and make an impact. If you want to be an influencer, this is what it looks like. It looks like, you know, making less of ourselves and making more of Jesus. That's what it looks like. 
And David and Jonathan have given us such a good example of this. We'll continue the story next week. Uh, And again, there's just so much to this. I encourage you to spend time with God this week. Keep reading this. Keep learning. Keep looking at what we can apply to our own life. Even in the midst of the Old Testament, we keep seeing Jesus. And so with that, I'm going to pray. The praise team is going to come back up and we're going to close today. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful in your word that when we look at it, we learn more about Jesus. Even in the, in the Old Testament, we see David as a forebearer, as a, as a, as a foreshadowing of the Jesus, the king who would come and reign victoriously. Lord, I pray for, <coughs> pray for all of us here in this room that you would help us to be true friends. Help us to to be friends that that walk in when everybody else walks out. Lord, this this world is hurting right now, and and so many people need friends. They need people to encourage them. uh, They need people to draw them closer to God. Help us to be the people that do that. Lord, I pray for those watching online. I pray for those here today that we would be a friend of God as well. That we, know, that we would know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That's the most important decision we will ever make in life. And when we surrender the rights to lead our own life, and when we make Jesus the Lord of our life, that's the first step uh, to, to following you. Lord, I pray that we would do that, that we would make Jesus the Lord of our life. Heavenly Father, we praise you today. We thank you. We love you. Help us to... to, to just to walk in that love and to share that love with others. Help us to to speak the truth in love. Help us to be bold about what you've called us to do. It's in the name of Jesus we pray this morning. Amen.